Welcome back to the Swim Swim Breakdown. I'm Coleman Hodges, joined by Yin Yin Lee from Evanston, Illinois. Evanston, right? Yeah, Evanston. All right. right. <laughs> She's at Northwestern. I'm in Austin, Texas. Uh, happy 2024 to all you swimmers and swimmers out there. Yin Yin, what was the best thing you got for Christmas this year? Oh, uh, what was the best thing I got for Christmas? Oh God, like I forgot it. I, this is not that I'm ungrateful, but I just don't remember <laughs> everything that I got for Christmas at the top of my head. Well, I'm currently reading um, American Prometheus, which is the book that the movie Oppenheimer is based on. I got that book for Christmas, so I'm reading it now. So I like that gift. That's my brother talked a lot about that book, and he would be very excited to hear that you're reading it. It's a great book. <laughs> nice. My My favorite Christmas gift was also a book from my brother called lessons in chemistry, which I'm, uh, I'm enjoying reading right now. So look at us, just a couple of bookworms. Mm. Coleman, you're in a chemistry. No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a misleading title. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fiction book. It's sort of about chemistry, but also like relationships and chemistry in that way. Uh, um, but it's about two chemists who fall in love, or so far it is. So <clears throat> I can I can see why he liked it, because he is a scientist also. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about literature. Let's get down to swimming. It's uh it's a new year. It's been kind of quiet, and yet somehow we still have quite a bit to talk about, uh, which which I'm pretty excited to get into. First of all. The Knoxville Pro Swim starts tomorrow, Wednesday night, with the distance events. Uh, just We've got a stacked site sheet coming into this Tennessee Pro Swim. Yin Yin, what are you most excited for heading into Knoxville? I am already so annoying about this, and I will continue to be annoying about this. But you, you already know what's coming, right? Kate Douglas. <laughs> Well, I was going to say Summer Macintosh versus Kate Douglas versus Alex Walsh in the 200 IM. <laughs> and now I feel like it's confirmed that Summer Macintosh is actually swimming the 200 IM because it's on the same day as the 400 free, and she's not swimming the 400 free. So we're finally going to get to see that Summer Macintosh versus Kate Douglas showdown that we wanted to see for over a year, but that never happened because Summer Macintosh keeps on scratching it. So I'm excited that we're finally... Hopefully, gonna see this event happen. I really like and respect Summer McIntosh and her coach's decision to basically every meet she swims, she swims a different event lineup in some way, right? She switches up one or two or five events from meet to meet, and I really like how you can you can tell that she is honing her versatility and just swimming everything so that a she can have experience racing in a lot of events and B she can also not get burnt out on any one or two events, which I think as a 17 year old who's already a, a world record holder and world champion is very, very smart. So yeah, for sure. But that also leads me to my question of at these big meets, is she going to be swimming all of those events at once? Like, is that all going to come together? Or is she going to do what she does at Smaller Meets and maybe like be selective? Which she hasn't done her full load of 
all five of her main events ever at a big meet. And I, I'm just questioning like whether we'll see a day where that happens. And honestly, like if that doesn't happen, I wouldn't be surprised because again, as you said, like it wouldn't be great for her to burn out. But then on the other hand, there's always that like lingering question, like what what could she do? I agree. I mean, it's interesting because we saw we saw Michael Phelps do something like this, right? And he was obviously one of a kind. But I think pretty much since then, we see many, many athletes err on the side of caution when it comes, especially when it comes to an Olympic Games, um, to put their eggs in a few baskets, like two to four, mo probably two to three, rather than four or five individual events, even if they can swim that many. And it, it would be awesome to see Summer McIntosh swim five individual events plus relays at an Olympic Games, right? But is it the smartest decision for her, especially this being her first Olympics where she is heavily favored to win multiple gold medals? Probably not, right? It's probably a safer bet for her to focus on three individual events, maybe four, and re really hone in on those and shoot for gold medals in those, um, which I can't blame her and her coach's decision on that one. But as a fan, it's like, go for eight medals, right? <laughs> like, that would be awesome. Uh, that would be something we have not seen at an Olympics or at a major meet at all in long course in, in a long, long time. Right. But mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't really see it happening. Yeah. And I think this all goes to show just how extraordinary Phelps was during his 2008 run. And the thing is like, that's supposed to be a measure of like greatness, but it's also like not the only standard for greatness. Like there's so many, like, there's so many other ways of like achieving accomplishments in swimming without having to like do what Phelps did. And Phelps, he, he did burn out towards like that in his career. And I'm not saying anyone who takes on a lot of events is going to burn out, but like it is something you have to think about. And just because you're not, you're not doing and taking on the load that he's taking on, like that doesn't make, that doesn't make you less of a swimmer. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that and like sort of like swimming's like becoming I feel like, especially on the men's side, becoming more like compartmentalized. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think when Phelps was at the peak of his career, he had, um, you know, he had a fair amount of demons that swimming was kind of his uh, sanctuary to combat. And he's discussed that, you know, um, from his home life to his personal life. Um, I think towards the end of his career, when he did kind of have burnout and then he was having issues outside of the pool and then he went to treatment and got in therapy and became a huge mental health advocate. And now I think in terms of mental health, taking on such a huge event load is really, really stressful. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, that's probably outside of just your physical how how tired you will get in an eight or nine day meet it's probably not mentally healthy to train your body and mind to to be swimming at a high level that many times in that many days in a row
Mm-hmm. Right. It's probably like it, that probably will lead you to burn out sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like, it's a feat that <laughs> it's really hard to do, especially at an Olympic games. And he did it twice, right? He had two Olympics where he's, where he medaled in eight events, uh, which is, yeah, again, it's just insane. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, <laughs> back to Knoxville. That's going to be super exciting. Just to, if you're still with us, <laughs> just to list some of the athletes that are going to be competing in Knoxville. We got Kate Douglas, Caleb Dressel, Bobby Fink, Tori Husk, Lydia Jacoby, Lily King, Katie Ledecky, Simone Manuel, Maggie McNeil, Summer McIntosh, Ryan Murphy, Reagan, not Reagan Smith. I think right. that's one of the biggest stories, right? Is yeah. that Reagan is now had mono. Uh, she's out with sickness. I, I hope she's doing better and I hope she's on the recovery side and just kind of taking it easy. Yeah, I do want to talk about that. Like both Reagan Smith and Leon Marchand having mono because they're two of the biggest stars of the Paris Olympic Games. And we've seen in the past where like, People like Gregorio Holtrinari, he had mono, and like it's kind of assumed that that may have affected his performance in Tokyo. And he did have mono a little later than when Reagan and Leon got it. But um, I'm very interested into seeing how this affects both of their um, build-ups, like into the Olympics, especially for Leon, because like if if something happens to him, like that would be like really unfortunate because this is his home Olympics and you really only get a chance like once in your life to compete at home Olympics. So I, I hope both of them recover from that. But it, it's definitely something to like look out for. And Leon's already competing in like dual meets and stuff, but like I mean I hope like this doesn't affect their performance in any way. That's what I meant. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would I would think they're going to err on the side of caution, especially in terms of heading into conference and NC two A's, which is really a bummer. Cause like, I feel like this is probably going to affect the chance of him going best times and yards events. Um, because a, he just went completely berserk last year at NC two A's mm-hmm. and B those times are just so hard to, to match. Like he was, he was on it at NC's last year, right? And that is a result of an entire season going pretty much perfectly. And this season has not gone perfectly for him. Um, when I was at ASU, I think this interview is coming out within the next 24 hours. Um, but he talked about he's had sinus issues this season. He we, he had mono. He had his wisdom teeth removed. Oh, no. So it's like things that he's been able to recover from. Like, obviously, he was training well when I was there. He was still kicking everyone's butt. But, you know, it's it's you don't want to see that in an Olympic lead up ever. Right. You want everything to be as perfect as possible. And obviously it won't be. And maybe this will be a good thing. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm I'm hoping for the best for both of them um, and really hoping that that we see Reagan and Leon at future pro swims leading into these uh, Olympic trials and Olympic games so that we can kind of get a gauge at where they're at. Yeah. Ultimately, I think both of them will end up being fine. Leon was going pretty fast at the ASU versus Grand Canyon dual meet 
last weekend he went 132 in the 200 free and 42 three in the 100 free, which are insane times. That's right so now. fast. Um, so yeah, I think they'll be fine, but it's more of like I'm interested just to see if this might be like a one thing leads to another sort of thing, which hope mm-hmm. hopefully it won't be. And also, I looked it up, but Paul Trinieri, he had mono in June, so that's like a very different timeline. Right. Before the Olympics. I I do feel like that getting sick is almost underrated in some senses because it forces you, especially mono, it just forces you to rest, right? Like the only recovery for it is is to chill and let your body get over it. Um, and so I feel like in that sense, like a lot of times people will swim really, really well when they're either sick or they are just getting over being sick, even if they haven't like trained as hard in the lead up to that, or they're currently fighting off an illness because they're taking extra good care of themselves. You know, it's basically like you're on a taper. And so obviously that's not what you want six months out from the Olympics, but maybe the extra rest was actually helping them or will actually help them moving forward. You know, maybe they'll be able to work a little harder in this next training cycle or, you know, with Bob Bowman, I think the fall is when they really put in a lot of their base work. And I think for both of them, a lot of the hay is probably in the proverbial barn. So if they're able to make comebacks, I wouldn't be too worried about their aerobic capacity, especially long course. So back to Knoxville, won't see Reagan Smith. Um, but one thing I am excited to see in this upcoming Olympic season is the athletes who will be competing in Doha just a few weeks after Knoxville. Um, so we've got Kate Douglas, Claire Curzon, Michael Andrew, Nick Fink, uh, among others who will be swimming in Knoxville. And then just a few weeks later, heading to Doha for a world championships. Um, I'll be excited to see where they're at. And and just, again, just a few weeks out from a world championships, which we'll talk more about uh, later in the podcast. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they approach this meet versus everyone else who's probably coming off a pretty hard block of winter training. Um, I'm guessing their winter training might not have been quite as intense. Um, and I think nowadays winter training is probably different for every team and there might be a little bit of approach. I think the days of like, all right, two weeks of just poundage is, is maybe not the norm anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I'm also like not really expecting anything too different from the people who are swimming in Doha. Cause I, I don't think Doha is a meet that a lot of people are tapering for. I think it's mainly to like, get that kind of like international experience. I'd be, I'd be surprised to see if anyone was in like full, full taper mode. Well, th- the thing about a lot of those athletes is that they're kind of always in taper mode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, n- not obviously not full taper mode, but like uh, the four I mentioned, Claire, Kate, Michael, Andrew, Nick Fink, like they can pretty much swim fast anytime, Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is great. You know, that's what you want to see from, pro athletes like that on uh, and claire who's basically been a pro athlete since she's freaking 16 years old yeah. not a pro athlete she's a college athlete but um you know th- they all know how to kind of get it done uh, in in season as well as in postseason and so 
again, just excited to see them race and to, to get their perspective in Knoxville about, uh, how they're, how they're going to prepare in that few weeks time. Mm -hmm. All right. That's enough. That's enough about the pro swim. Uh, I am going, I'll be there on Thursday and Friday. So I'll be there at finals getting interviews. I'll be on deck. If you, if you're there, come say hi. Uh, I'll be the guy with the hair. Uh, if you want to watch swim swim's got all the links for you um i'm i'm assuming usa swimming will be streaming prelims and finals so head over to swim swim we'll get you hooked up we'll have all the results live recaps uh you know the drill and if you don't just head to swim swim and and you'll figure it out if you want (laughs) to it's always the answer uh all right next up hot ticket item Mm. miwen tomak has committed to Cal for the 2024-2025 NCAA season. Uh, Muen Tomac is preparing for a his home Olympics. Um, he is French. He's a French record holder in the backstrokes. And uh, this was this took a lot of people by surprise because there's a lot of factors that go into this. We've seen internationals commit to a college. We've seen internationals who are a bit older than your traditional 16, 17, 18-year-old high school students commit to NCAA colleges. Uh, and that has especially, because we've seen older swimmers, <laughs> swimmers older than 22 years old, compete in the NCAA. That has become more common with, with the COVID fifth, fifth years and the uh, effects of the pandemic. But there's a lot of factors here. So let's just break them down and have a conversation about this. I think the the first thing is Miwen is four years removed from high school. So he was 22 right now. Uh, he also competed in the ISL, which was, you know, it's a pro league. And so that for, for many of us, it seemed like it was, it, it meant that you were a professional athlete and non-eligible to compete in the NCAA. Uh, among others, that's why everyone thought Summer McIntosh was not eligible slash not going to be competing in the NCAA. Uh, Miwen did not get paid when he was in the ISL, or so we're told. Uh, so perhaps that could be a loophole that makes him eligible for the NCAA. He is always he is also only receiving two years of eligibility at Cal. So assumably the 24-25 season and the 25-26 season. So with all that being said, Yin Yin, thoughts on Miwen Tomac committing to Cal for 2024? Well, my first thought after reading this news wasn't the age and it wasn't ISL. I was thinking, mm-hmm. is he actually going to show up at Cal? Because <laughs> we've already seen twice two international backstrokers uh Masuk and then Peter Kutzi, both of them committed for 2024 and neither of them showed up. I do think there's a greater chance of him showing up to Cal than previous international commits because the 2024 season is literally this year in a few months. Um, But no, that is my one main concern because we've seen, especially recently, how a lot of swimmers commit to colleges and they don't show up or they only show up for a few months and never 
compete again, like um, Noe Ponty, and then Ahmed Hefnawi, who apparently is not on the Indian, Indiana roster anymore. So that's something. And then when it comes to his age and his professional status, I don't think that age is as big of a deal as people think it is because he's only getting two years of eligibility. Like someone said, his last championships will be in 2026 and he's 24 then. Yesterday in the college football national championship, the quarterback at Washington, Michael Penix Jr., he's 23. He's like a sixth year senior, I believe. So th this kind of stuff is pretty common in college sports. So. Mew and Tomac doing it isn't something that's super out of the ordinary. Uh, but I think ISL is the main concern and the main talking point here because I think this raises the question of like what constitutes a pro athlete. And it also like raises the question of like, does the NCAA see like a professional swimming league like ISL being a legitimate league, especially with people not being paid as well as pro swimming and which is very niche and um the fact that it was only around for like two or three years i think i think mu and tomac being allowed to compete despite being in the isl sort of speaks to the fact that like maybe the ncaa or like people involved like they don't really see the isl as like a legitimate pro pro form pro league and obviously him not getting paid might have something to do with that. So I just thought that was interesting. I don't know, but I could be wrong, but Coleman, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, like that talking point. Yeah, I mean, if the NCAA didn't consider the ISL a pro league, it wouldn't be that big of a shock because, again, it was super novel and really cool for the swimming community. But you compare it to an NBA or an NFL or, you know, even smaller pro leagues um, for other sports. It's just like, yeah, that's not really the same. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is cute. Glad you guys are making some money, but <laughs> come on. Um, so, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. If yeah, the but NCAA... who gets to decide that? But, like, who gets to decide if he's eligible? That's. The NCAA, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I, I think you brought up a good point. The the fact that it was only around for two or three years, like maybe, maybe they changed their mind recently about how they feel about it, right? Like maybe while it was a thing, they were like, okay, no, you can't do this. But now that's not a thing, they're like, well, it's it's fine. Um, especially if athletes weren't getting paid. Um, I think we're trying to talk to someone about this. Um, I know <clears throat> we reached out to Cal's compliance person, um, but it, hopefully we can get some answers in the near future mm -hmm. because yeah, it's just, it's really interesting that there's this situation is very nuanced and we don't really know the people making the decisions and what their thinking is about, about said decisions. Um, but I, I mean, my opinion, if you didn't get paid in the ISL, then yeah, it's like you, you participated in a pro league, but you weren't a professional in it because you didn't get paid. Like yeah. that's the whole definition of being a professional mm -hmm. is making money off of it. Um, 
I, I don't really have a problem with him with this situation in particular. I think the more people who can get exposed to NCAA swimming, the better, because I think it's a really unique system and hopefully he gets an educational piece from it as well as getting to train with the best backstrokers in the world. And, you know, I think we've seen the ASU has been the most recent example of this, but when people get together and train at a really high level from around the world, swimming gets better. And I think that's what we want to see. That's what I want to see. Um, oh, of course. But yeah. Referring to your point about Summer McIntosh and how ISL has been our main argument against her not doing the NCAA, I don't think she's doing the NCAA, period. Like, regardless of that. I don't think so either. I don't. I I don't think it would make sense for her where she's at for her career. I mean, she's yeah, I I I understand if she had a desire, a personal desire to swim on a college team because again, that's a really unique experience. It's it's kind of once in a lifetime thing and if that's something you want, I totally understand that. To this point, up to this point, it doesn't seem like something she wants, and it professionally it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if she goes to this Olympics and wins three gold medals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, don't totally don't blame her <laughs> if mm-hmm. she doesn't or if that's not what she wants, because yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for her swimming wise. Mm-hmm. But you know. If she was also like, hey, I want to break a, break a bunch of short course yards records, then it's like, dude, yeah, do it. I mean, if she wants to do that, she can just pull up to US Open next year. <laughs> I, I love that people got so excited for that meet to go back to yards. <laughs> yeah. That was, um, that was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and I think th- my last talking point for Mew and Tomac is – like we saw with Noe Ponti, if he wins a medal at a home Olympics, that could change the trajectory of his career. So it will be to you to and circle, Tomac, you mean you said to, what, what did, did you I say? say Noe Ponti? So similar to what happened with Noe Ponti. Oh, okay. I see. He he won a medal at an Olympics. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a home Olympics. Um, and I think that changed the trajectory of his career, right? It changed how he was perceived in his home country. He came to NC State for a month or two and then was like, I need to go home. This mm-hmm. this isn't right. I wanna be I wanna be at home. Mm-hmm. And totally understandable. Um, so mm-hmm. if if Miwen wins a medal at his home Olympics he could be a freaking superstar and then he, you know, he might have it made for the rest of his life. And it's like, well, I don't really need to go to Cal now. So circling back to your original point, it will be interesting to see how he does in Paris, as well as if that affects him actually showing up. Mm -hmm. So only time will tell, but with that, Let's move on to a whole bunch of sink or swims. First up today on sink or swim, Swim Swam published the 2024 NCAA midseason scoring updates for the men and women. We're going to start with the men. On the men's side, 
we had ASU coming in at 566, Florida coming in second at 340, and Cal third at 281.5. Now, we know that these must be taken with a grain of salt. We know this is not totally accurate. However, ASU leading by over 200 points is is quite staggering. So sink or swim, in, men's NC2As will be a blowout win for Arizona State. How do you define blowout? Uh, 80 points. 80 points. Okay. I think they'll win by 100, but no more than 100. Because I'm not That's surprised. A I'm not surprised that they're leading by a considerable margin, but I do think it's important to consider that Cal always shows up with March Magic, and I don't think it'll get them as far as it has in previous years, just because ASU is so good in every category. Zelen Sarkani's 14-28 mile just gave them another extra 10 or 20 points. I mean, he, he scored last year, I believe, but now he's like a NCAA title favorite. Um, but I do think that Cal didn't show all of their cards during mid-seasons. Jack Alexi wasn't swimming at his fastest. Um, I think Destin Lasko got DQ'd in an event. There are a lot of factors, and I ultimately think that they're going to be considerably better than they were mid-seasons, like they usually are. But I do think, like, ASU's star power is just too much this year. But it, w- it will be close, closer than 200 points. Uh, so you're swimming. You're swimming a blowout. <clears throat> I'm swimming a blowout, but not in a way that, not not like that. Wait, no, <laughs> no, no. Actually, I'm thinking it. I think they're gonna win by like around like 70, 80 points, but not 100. Because I'm realizing that UV, the UVA women, but won by like 100 points last year. So I think the margin will be less than the UVA women won NCAs by last year. I'm thinking it as well. I do think this is ASU's year. They've kind of put a lot of eggs in this basket. We don't know what Leon's future holds after this NCAA season, but we know that his goal as well as the team goal is getting that historic NCAA title for Arizona State. And I I think they're going to do it. I think uh, the addition of – I mean, Ilya Karun has just been a – I can't think of the word, but paramount, you know, he is just like, oh my God, three event score plus relay, you know, four relay swimmer, just like that. Um, and, and like Cal doesn't have anyone like that. And they really needed one, I think to be competitive. Uh, I see the meet being somewhere between 50 and 70 points. Uh, you know, I yeah. think Cal always has a great last day, but especially with the addition of uh, Zarkani now for ASU in the mile where Cal doesn't have anyone super strong in those in that distance event. I think ASU's depth 
is is gonna you know their 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 top end depth they have eight to ten guys who who can all score in two plus events and cal always kind of has those sleeper swimmers that end up scoring in one or two events but like you said, I don't think it's going to be quite enough this year. Yeah, and the fact that they lost Aaron Shackle, who's one of their most promising freshmen, that doesn't really help their cause either. It does not. I forgot about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, and I think Cal can have some impact freshmen who maybe even score individually, again, in one or two events, but they don't have you know uh, an Ilya Karun who's mm-hmm. just comes in and immediately notches in in seven events mm-hmm. that are you know and i'm like well cal's relays were really good last year and then i'm like oh yeah arizona state's relays were also elite the yeah. also top one or two last year and so i i think uh yeah i i don't see it being a blowout but i see it a sun double win yeah all right going to the women's side <clears throat> it is virginia leading but it's close. So right now, Virginia 423, Texas 404.5. These are projected okay. scores. Well, yeah. UVA also doesn't have a proper 800 free relay. It's true. They don't swim the 800 free relay at midseason. This is a documented phenomena. They skip it. They're like, we don't, we don't want to bother. We'd rather our kids get an extra hour of sleep. We're not doing the 8 free relay at midseason. And you know what? I like it. I can't, I can't fault them one bit for skipping this because th- there's no real reason to swim it. I don't, they don't need the practice in my opinion. Uh, so sink or swim for the women's NC two A's, the meet will be within 30 points. I'm going to sink it. I think Virginia is going to dominate like they have every single year since 2021 <laughs> and my evidence alex walsh gretchen walsh jasmine nocentini ella nelson amy canny i could go on and on and on <laughs> these are good points you raise <clears throat> um i think it it is a bummer for Texas that Jillian Cox ended up redshirting because yeah. she could have been a significant scorer. I think if it was, I would swim it. If it was forty points, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be close. I think Texas is going to lay it out there. Uh, they have a lot of really good swimmers, and they have a lot of really experienced swimmers at this point, along with a couple really solid freshmen who I think might have some surprising swims come conference and NCs. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to swim it for fun. I think, I think Texas will get it within 30 and you know what? Maybe UVA deeks a relay and we have a 2016 situation where mm-hmm. Texas like pulls out a, pulls out a, pulls out a win. Who knows? I mean, I want it to be close. I think close <laughs> NCAA meets are fun. I agree. Um, but I think just, oh, another factor for midseason was that Jasmine Nocentini didn't really go all out in midseasons because she was preparing for uh, short course heroes. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't, I think it'll be closer than 
last year, but it won't be decided by 30 points. Like, I think that's just too close to margin with, like, the depth that UCB has. And I'm also, like, more confident in UVA performing well at NCAAs because we saw last year a lot of the Texas swimmers laid an egg at NCAAs after, like, being really promising in season. So, like, whereas, like, most of Virginia's top swimmers, like, I know they're, like, saving everything for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I have some confidence is that I think the Texas Texas swimmers will will learn from last year, and I think I'm hoping they will be at their best at NCs. We'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> All right. Next up on sink or swim, will any man going back to men's NC two A's? Uh, we saw Aiden Hayes go a twenty point three six fifty backstroke suited in practice during winter training no this is not a stopwatch time there were touch pads in the pool there is video evidence you can watch it on swim swim 20.36 it is legit from mr aiden hayes of nc state defending nc2a champion in the 200 fly and he rips a 20.350 backstroke sink or swim we will see any man go under 20.0 in the 50 yard backstroke at NC two A's. It's so funny because I feel like in short course yards, backstroke, freestyle, and butterfly are all just interconnected. Cause I thought Aiden Hayes was a flyer, but I didn't realize he could do all that in backstroke. I mean, oh, I guess he has, he has a 20.7 um, 50 back, but like I've always thought of him as a flyer. And then Luke Miller, like I thought of him as like a 200 freestyle, 100 freestyle guy but then he just like pops a 44 one hundred fly. So it's all interconnected as long as it's not Westbrook. Unless you take Douglas. Um, True. Anyways, um, but I think we are going to see a sub 1950 back at NCAAs because it's just bound to happen. Bjorn Seeliger went 20.0 two years ago, I believe. And, and NCAAs is just getting faster and faster. So it's about time. I've been saying this was going to happen since 2016. And uh, I told Dave Durden in 2016, it's happening. Ryan Murphy's going 19 and a 50 backstroke. And Dave Durden said, no, he's not. And Dave Durden was right. He didn't. It was really disappointing. He went 20.2. And since then, we've seen Bjorn go 20.08. We've seen Casper Sokowski and Adam Chaney go 20.1. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, Coleman. Okay. I'm sinking it. It's, uh, you know, I think people are getting, people are becoming better swimmers. They're, They're going really fast. It helps that the 200 medley relay is the first event of the first day of conference and NC2As. I think I said NC2As in the question, but we'll we'll include conference meets in this in this too. I I see some twenty point lows coming in, uh, and I don't see a nineteen nine happening. This but I hope it does. Coleman Hodges doesn't like fast swimming. <laughs> I hate it. I hate fast swimming. It's the antithesis of my existence. Mm. Uh, all right. 
next up on sink or swim um chin haiyang not going to the 2024 doha world championships for china that means he will not defend his world titles in the 50 100 or 200 breaststroke but you know what breaststroke world champion will be in doha adam Petey. will adam Petey win a fourth world title in doha in the 50 or 100 breast i'm going to sink it because you know who else is also in doha nicola martinengi nick fink arno kaminga all of them have been passed faster than adam pd in 2023 and i just don't see anything from adam pd that's convincing enough for me to think that he's gonna win a world title like i, I just don't see it it's hard because uh, for where Adam Petey is in, in coming back to the pool as well as this Olympics, he's he's gonna he was going to want to be trending in the right direction, right? And not to say that the other swimmers won't be, but for Nick Fink, he's getting kind of old, and I want to see him flourish this year, obviously, but he worries me a little. He's getting kind of old. Uh, Nicola Martinengi is, has been really good lately, but I don't think he's unbeatable. Same with Arno. Arno has, has certainly been less consistent in the past 18 months than he has the prior 18 months before that of his career. Um, so I think it's, I think he has as good of a shot to win one of those events as any of those other swimmers <sighs> and it will be really exciting to see what happens because i'm sure at least one of them will be swimming quite well so i'm gonna swim it i think he can win at least one the 50 or the 100 um i and i think it will be interesting to see where each of those events is at for adam especially because I'm guessing he's focusing more on the hundred because of the Olympics and because the 50 breast is not at the Olympics. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he's got that back, that patented PD back half down, or if that's coming along or if he's got more speed at this point in his preparation and maybe the 50 is a little bit better. I think, yeah, I think he's going to do better in the 50 just cause like, Again, basing this off of past evidence, like at the World Cups, like he was consistently like only losing the chin in the 50 breast, whereas like in the 100, I think there's maybe more competition. Like I'm pretty sure his season best in the 50 is like right around what got bronze at Worlds last year. So I think he has more of a chance in the 50, but I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if gonna win but it's definitely more likely in the 50 than the 100 but i'm gonna think sink it just because like there's a lot of competition in both events x factor he's got more tattoos than anyone else in that field so <clears throat> think on that swimmers and swimmers and finally uh we wrote several articles and had two polls asking what your favorite storyline for the men and women's side heading into this Olympic year were. 
So Yin Yin, what is what storyline most excites you heading into these 2024 Olympic Games? I think the storyline that most excites me is how the Americans will perform. Because last year was their worst showing at an international meet, world or Olympics since I believe 1994 and headed into an Olympic year that isn't great because not just for team morale, but just because in general, like, I feel like to a mainstream audience, like, they want to, like, in the US, like, they want to see swimming succeed because swimming has historically been one of the Americans' best sports. They know about Michael Phelps, Katie Ledecky. It's always like you turn on the TV and like it's the US, US dominating. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure put on them every four years. And I feel like people are kind of like, it's going to be a bit of a culture shock for like four year only viewers to see that like the Americans aren't what they typically are in past years. So I'm really curious to see like if that happens and how the public will react to it. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, I think there's a good chance that the Americans could be what they normally are, but that you know, the Olympics is always kind of a crapshoot mm-hmm. um, because there, it's a very high pressure situation. There's lots of factors happening, especially mm-hmm. in a foreign continent. But that is that's a great storyline. Um, I think what I'm looking forward to is. The contrast, I'll, I'll say a bigger picture answer as well, the contrast between youth and veterans. So seeing the storylines of swimmers like Katie Ledecky, Caleb Dressel, Sarah Shostrom unfold and seeing how they perform versus up and coming swimmers such as Summer McIntosh, David Popovich, um, and that. Uh, Emma McKeon can be thrown into the veteran side. Um, I think Chen Hai Yang is one who I'm really excited to see how he performs <clears throat> because he's not necessarily young, but he is very new to this this level of uh, swimming in terms of like being on podiums and winning and breaking world records. So um, I'm excited to see the contrast between swimmers th- that we've seen perform really well once or twice versus swimmers who have performed at multiple Olympics um, and, and to see how both sides react to this Olympic Games.